Hello, and welcome to this PrimeMed podcast. This episode, we're focusing on stress reduction in primary care providers and how we can create a sustainable work-life balance. I'm your host, Dr. Marion Montague. I'm a family nurse practitioner. Today, I have invited a special guest, Dr. Stephen Earls. He is a graduate of the George Washington University School of Medicine. After completing his residency in family medicine at UMass, he began his teaching and practicing career at the Barry Family Health Center, a major teaching and residency training site of UMass Chan Medical School. In his career at UMass Chan and UMass Memorial Health, he successfully led the health center as its medical director for over 30 years. He was instrumental in growing the medical staff from three physicians and 12 residents to 10 physicians, three advanced practitioners, and 12 residents focused on serving their community. His teaching and leadership have been recognized with various awards. His achievements included leading a successful fundraising campaign to build a state-of-the-art health center in Barrie. He also successfully implemented a scribe program at the health center, which saved clinicians over five hours per week while increasing patient visits. In his leadership role, he has placed a focus on improving clinician well-being. He now continues to practice his teaching on a part-time basis and is medical director of the Barry Lab and the UMass Chan Scribe Fellowship. Well, welcome, Dr. Earls, and thank you, thank you so much for joining us today. Marianne, thank you for having me. So I've asked you to speak with us today, as I feel that from your experience, you can help give us some valuable pointers. So Dr. Earls, I know this world is crazy, and primary care is so valuable, and you and I have spent time and time talking about how things could be and what we could change and everything from how we practice to work-life balance. And so I wanted to ask you a couple questions. When you started as a primary care provider, were there things you enjoyed doing that you felt you had to give up for medicine? So Marian, I personally found that when I was starting out as a family physician, I was very focused on two things, building my career and building my family. Given when most of us are becoming doctors or APPs, family building is often happening simultaneously. And if not family, at least relationship building is always in the mix. That said, it is also a time when building good habits around work and life helps to keep us resilient. In, in, in my career, over time, what I found happened was I added those things that were important to me in life as I moved along the way. Um, I started running when I was 30 years old. I started running regularly as a way of uh, rejuvenating myself. Uh, when my children were grown up and I no longer needed to spend time uh, taking care of them, I added golf to my life. And that's been something I've enjoyed since I was 50 years old. Um, so resilience has been shown to be the best antidote for burnout. Colin West published a study in JAMA in 2020, which showed that physicians are more resilient than average adults. 
He and his team surveyed over 5,000 physicians and over 5,000 adults in other walks of life. They used a validated measure to assess resilience and a burnout score for each respondent. They found that as a group, physicians were significantly more resilient than other adults. They also found that those physicians with the highest resilience scores had the lowest burnout scores. I think this is very, a very interesting finding, but not surprising. Functioning in the medical care system of 2023, which frankly is pretty broken, requires resilience, and that resilience is what has sustained me and many colleagues as we cope with the demands of the current medical care system. So the system could go a long way toward helping clinicians to do a better job at staying well in mind, body, and soul, and avoiding burnout. But we cannot wait for the system to change while we suffer. Developing good work habits is our best defense against burnout. So that's interesting you mentioned that. You bring out the point of how we have to build that as we're building our career. And I've personally not always done a great job at that if I look at it. You know, I think I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to do this, then I'm going to enjoy life. Or then I'm going to start hanging out with my friends. Or then I'm going to travel more. But from what I hear you say, we need to make sure that we're building these two things simultaneously. Is that correct? I think that's absolutely true. I think that um, you need to make sure that you build habits that allow you to take the time in your day to pay attention to your life. And to, because those are the things that are going to rejuvenate you. Another question I have is, I know you have had experience teaching residents. You've also grown your practice from a small group of physicians to a larger group of physicians. So I'm sure along the way, you had time mentoring new physicians and new APPs. What are some tools that you shared with them to help them create balance? That's a great question. I, um, I'm not sure that I'm an expert on this, but I have a fair amount of experience with it. Uh, and in working with learners and clinicians who are early in their career, I've tried to impart to them strategies for keeping work and personal time separated. They cannot always be entirely separated, but if one does not practice good work habits and keeping some boundaries, it is all too easy for work to take over the time that should be devoted to things like exercise, recreation, and family. A term that I especially do not like is pajama time. It is a cute term for a not-so-cute intrusion of work into non-working hours, time when we should be taking care of ourselves and our loved ones. That said, it is true that one size does not fit all. For some clinicians, taking work home enables them to do important things like join their family for dinner, attend a child's sporting event, or go for a run before it gets dark. The key for those people, I think, is that they have a defined time for work at home and they get it done in that time, preserving time for self-care and family. One of the most destructive things to do with things like documentation is let it build up over days and walk around with the burden of that work on your shoulders constantly. Developing good work habits helps us to avoid having this happen. So I try to encourage learners to work on documentation during the course of the day and complete their documentation in the office before leaving for the day. The process of getting this done starts with spending 30 to 60 minutes before clinical work begins for the day 
doing chart prep, reading past notes, specialty notes, lab results, etc., as well as setting up anticipated lab and referral orders so that if the patient is due for a colonoscopy, for example, you do not have to take distracted time during the visit to put in the order. Even better would be to share this work with your team, and I will get to that later. Uh, Pre-work helps to set set part of the agenda for each visit, and in some cases, all of the agenda, making the visit flows more, more smoothly and quickly. Some clinicians are also good at keyboarding while they are talking with their patients. For those who can do this, and I would emphasize do it without looking at the keyboard, when they leave the room, all they have to left to record is their assessment and plan, some of which can be done between visits so that they're not all waiting for the end of the day. Another strategy is to use technology to help you. Electronic medical records have added complexity to our work and in many cases given us more to do. It is probably beyond the scope of this conversation to talk specifically about that, but anybody who works in an EMR knows what I'm talking about. That same technology, however, also offers us efficiencies. Learning to use tools like smart sets, dot phrases, and favorites can go a long way toward making documentation more efficient. Again, one size does not fit all. What is important is to master a system of charting that is time efficient for you. There are also a number of ways in which one can organize the office to improve clinical efficiency. Sharing the workload with staff is a very useful strategy. Delegate tasks and empower staff to work to the top of their licenses. The largest expense in a medical office is the cost of salary and benefits for staff. Assuming adequate staffing, and yes, that can be a big assumption in large systems, not enabling and empowering that staff to do everything for which they are qualified is a huge lost opportunity. This includes things like creating standing orders for immunizations and empowering nursing to update immunizations without further input from the clinician. MOAs are capable of taking responsibility for care gaps, routine health screening, pending prescription refills, obtaining prior authorizations, and all this based on the documentation that's already in the record. There are also myriad pieces of paperwork which can be routinely filled out by office staff needing only the clinician's signature based on what is in the medical record. Of course, all of this requires standardization and defining standard work. Staff reviewing charts before the session and huddling with the clinician can also identify an achievable to-do list for the MOA at the visit time. It also further enhances and expands the agenda that the clinician developed in chart prep. In many offices, staff are responsible for in-basket management, calling back normal labs, and identifying results that the clinician needs to handle. When results do require an extensive discussion with the patient or a change in treatment, it is best practice to put that patient in the schedule. One good outcome from the pandemic was that insurers finally got off the dime and started paying for telehealth visits. That has continued as we have transitioned out of the pandemic. Take advantage of the telemedicine by budgeting time in the day for those conversations with patients that previously occurred after hours or get squeezed into the day as add-on work. 
those important conversations probably didn't get the time and attention that they needed in the first place. And patients probably didn't get to ask as many questions as they might have had. Having time to discuss the pros and cons of starting a statin or making a referral for a surgical procedure based on the results of a test deserve our time. And isn't this just better patient care when we have the time to do some shared decision making? In their personal lives, I encourage learners to be intentional in making time for the things that are important to them. I was just in Chicago for the AAFP annual meeting. The new president of the academy talked about his journey in family medicine and made a great point. He has always strived to take care of himself because, quote, if you don't take care of yourself, you cannot take care of your patients. That means scheduling time for recreational activities or exercise. Also making and keeping dates with significant others and spending time with family. On a personal level, my spouse and I have uh, had a date on Friday evenings for 50 years and almost never miss that date. Um, even when with turmoil going on in the world and the family or otherwise not feeling like doing it at the moment, we would do it anyway. And it really is powerful for building relationship. Speaking of relationships, they're key in so many areas to promote resilience. Feeling you are part of a team and sharing common cause can go a long way to prevent feelings of isolation. Positive relationships with colleagues and coworkers are what I'm talking about. When those relationships are solid and built on mutual admiration and respect, you are spending your workday in an environment from which you can draw energy and emotional support. Vacation time is another factor that plays into this. The short answer is take it when you deserve to take it. It is even more valuable when it is planned with something meaningful to occur during that time. Vacations help to sustain body, mind, and soul. When on vacation, one gets better sleep, has time to consider and reflect on what is important in life, and it has been demonstrated that levels of stress hormones go down. All of this has proven benefits like lowering risk of heart disease, dementia, and depression. I mentioned knowing what is important to you. Let me amplify on that a bit. Work does not, does not always have to drain us. Identifying the type of work that we want to do and the type of work that nourishes us can go a long way to creating balance and keeping us resilient. In family medicine, there is so much latitude into what type of care we provide that one can almost always find the type of practice that nourishes them. I know physicians who are passionate about maternal child health care. They can emerge from managing a long labor and being up much of the night energized and looking forward to the next new life to shepherd into the world. Others like office procedures or working with addiction. So I encourage learners to find their passion and find the practice where that passion can nourish them. Wow. Dr. Earls, you brought up so much, um, and I, I thank you for what you said. One, some things I notice you talked about is how we can get staff to work to the top of their license. You gave examples about staff working on care gaps and working on schedules and making sure that they follow up and help support clinicians um, with lab calls and follow-up test results, etc. 
But one thing that I like that you brought out is not the add-ons. You know, oftentimes I feel in my day, I'm reviewing my inbox, and I know that if I call this patient to tell them about this normal result, it might turn into a full visit. And sometimes that's what is needed at that time and that moment. So do we delegate? Do we add that patient on as a telehealth? I think sometimes what I've found the best solution to that question is I ask patients or I ask staff to ask patients, hey, you know, I can add them on as a telehealth tomorrow morning or um, you can call them with the result and offer them a later appointment with me if that works. And I think that's how I've tried to apply that aspect of not adding things on um, to my life personally. Some other things I wanted to highlight that you mentioned is relationship building and how important it is. I have found so much value in colleagues and, and I've learned from them. They've supported me in stress and they've supported me in my learning. And one thing I can say is you mentioned not taking time away from your significant other and making sure that you had that standing date. You know, I personally was witness to that. Um, I remember being in clinic one evening and having a very busy day. But you not only took time to nourish your family, but you took time to nourish your colleagues. Because you turned to me and a colleague and you said, I know the day's been busy. You guys, I was planning on leaving, but is there anything I can do to help you? And I know personally that was of value to me because I saw that you cared about what was going on here, but you also cared about taking the time to nourish your family life. And, you know, you bring up so many valuable points that we can take away. I think specifically of the setting boundaries. And when we're at home, home is home and work is work. But you're right. Some people have different values that they want to emphasize their time in. So if that means they have to get to that child's soccer game and they don't want to be late, they might say, I'm going to go to that. I'm going to have dinner with my family. And then from eight to nine, I'm going to finish my clinic work. And I think that's appropriate boundary setting because they're setting their priorities and putting emphasis in what makes them happy and what also fills them. But I think also when you have that family, you have to take the time to think, what are you nourishing yourself? Because I agree with the president from the conference you just went to. I agree that we have to take care of ourselves before we can take care of others. So, so you, you, remind, you remind me um, of, of one other thing that I think is important, and that's having colleagues who, uh, who you support and who mutually support you. Um, there were times in my career when uh, it was important for me to be somewhere at the very end of the day and to schedule my life a little bit differently from the way it was usually scheduled. And I was able to do that because my colleagues were willing to pick up the slack uh, and let me do that. Uh, and that's a really important factor as well. And, 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 and goes back to feeling like you're part of a team and you're, and you're working on common cause. That's a valuable point. I personally have experienced that. And you, you have that conversation with your colleagues before and you say, hey, 
I need to be here at this time. And so this is going to require me to do this. Can you back me up? And most times, if you know you have that valuable colleague, it makes the work so much lighter. Um, so I wanted to ask you one last question, if you don't mind. So I know you have this experience in implementing Scribe program. Tell me some of the things that you found have come from that to make providers more efficient and then also give providers that opportunity to spend more quality time with the patient. So in 2014, uh, we implemented a Scribe program and studied the impact of Scribes on our practice in Barry. Uh, we partnered with elite medical scribes at the time who subsequently merged with Scribe America. And our measurements showed that physicians spent 5.1 fewer hours per week on documentation while increasing productivity, even though increasing productivity was not one of the goals. We also realized a greater than 100% return on investment, meaning we not only paid for the scribes, we paid for the scribes again uh, in added revenue. While we're looking to be able to cover the cost of scribes, this was a surprising result. Finally, I would want to point out that these results were achieved with physicians who worked clinically part-time and had other teaching and administrative responsibilities. So the implication of this for me is that a full-time clinician, the time savings would be even greater. Uh, scribes largely went remote during COVID and that impacted the quality of the work. However, they continue to be a valuable asset in improving the clinician experience. There is science to support this assertion. Uh, in 2020, uh, Dr. Mysick at the University of Wisconsin demonstrated a 20%, 27% decrease in physician burnout with the use of remote scribes. As we're meeting today, it appears that AI is going to be the scribe of the future. Our institution has introduced AI scribing and it is slowly taking hold. Uh, to be fair, it is still being perfected. It is especially challenging to use AI in a specialty as broad as family medicine, where the visit is seldom problem-focused and limited to one issue. Nevertheless, whatever the modality, there's no question that the use of scribes improves clinician well-being. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Earls. You have shared so many valuable tidbits with us today. And some of the takeaways that really stand out to me is really building relationships, deciding what you want to do from the beginning and what's important to you so you can help preserve and provide and foster resilience in individuals. Um, another thing that really stands out to me is how as you build your career, you need to make sure you're simultaneously building your goals and meeting them. I know personally for me, over the years, I've taken a step back and looked at what is most important for me. I am a paper and pen calendar keeper. I like to plan out my weeks. I like to plan out my months. And sometimes things happen in life that change. And this medical field has changed and evolved. When I was three years old and decided I wanted to go into the medical field, and I used to love the show Rescue 911 and thought my future was to be a Rescue 911 doctor, things have changed drastically since the late 80s, early 90s. And 
when I started my NP and nursing career, or my nursing career, then my NP career back in 2011, things looked different from then to 2020 to now. But what I know to be true is that I always have to take care of myself so that I can take care of others. I love taking care of patients. I love listening to them. I love providing care. But as I've seen over the years, you have to recognize that burnout and things that don't fill your cup. And personally, I would say prioritize your self-care so that you can provide the best care for others. So thank you so much, Dr. Earls, for joining us and talking to us about all these valuable lessons that help us be the best clinicians we can. And also talking about the value of a team. I think you clearly brought that out when you talked about the areas of work where our support staff and the frontline workers really can impact the day of a clinician and how together we can work to provide great care for patients, as well as you highlight the importance of that collegial experience where we have colleagues who support us in our work, in our educational growth, in our goals, and how it it can ignite and foster change in us. You know, you gave that example of the provider who is doing a delivery late at work and they're energized to go provide care. There's certain things that energize me, and I'm sure there's certain things that energize you more than others. So we have to make sure that we continue to talk to others and support them to find out what energizes them so that they can provide that that care they want. Because primary care is so vital and, and provider burnout is so prevalent. So we have to do whatever we can to combat that. We do. I agree with you. And um, uh, system, systems, have to, systems have to get better. Uh, because we can't do this all on our own. But these, the, what we've talked about today are some skills that individuals can have to sustain themselves. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Earls. And thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us today on this Prime Med podcast. I hope you have a great day.